You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe Podcast with Collective 54, a podcast for leaders of thriving boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community focused entirely on the needs of leaders of thriving boutique serve firms. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder and I'll be your host today. And on this episode, I'm going to talk to you about becoming self-aware enough to realize that you're running a lifestyle business and more importantly, mustering up the courage to attempt to convert it into something more than a lifestyle business. And we've got a great Collective 54 role model with us today. His name is Tad McIntosh, and he runs a very successful HR firm called Humcap. He's been at it for 20 years, which is rather remarkable because most lifestyle businesses start and end in five years. So he's lasted four times longer than typical. But recently, he's decided to try to make it more than a lifestyle business. So he's a fantastic example of what it is that we're going to talk about today. So, Tad, it's, it's great to see you. Thanks for being here, and please introduce yourself. Thanks, Greg. Uh, my name is Tad McIntosh, and I'm the founder of Humcap. Uh, our mission is to solve uh, companies' human capital problems in recruiting and human resources with excellence. And I'm a, a glad to be a member of Collective 54, and I've been learning learning a lot. Okay. And as I mentioned, you've been around, I think it was, is it 22 years? It's, uh, yeah, so we started, that's about right, about yeah. 22. We started in the, the fall of 2001. Yes, yeah, that's, almost so, 22 years, yeah. <laughs> seems like yesterday, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd love for you maybe just to start at 30,000 feet. And, and as you explained to me, you realized that you were running a lifestyle business a little while back. And you've developed ambition and aspirations to do more than that. So what caused you after all these years of running a successful business to want to make a change? Well, part of it, I've determined to deliver excellence and value to our customers for a long time. And that's a good thing. So the customers and the community derives um, value. But in some ways, I just forget about the pain that it is to give them that value for a long time. So I'd say a glutton for punishment, but maybe it's a little bit of upbringing and then going to West Point for what, what should have been college. And then being an army officer, you kind of, you're taught to be tough, be tough, be tough. And finally I'm like, well, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be this tough. And maybe this, maybe this should be easier uh, than what I've made it or, or allowed it to become might be the best way to put it is I've allowed it to become difficult. Uh, through some level of behaviors and some levels of lack of knowledge. Mm. When you say lack of knowledge, what do you mean? Like, So this was your first entrepreneurial journey and you were learning as you go? Absolutely. So I am a first-time entrepreneur yeah. and, and I've learned a lot about how to run a better company. But until I have been a part of Collective 54, some of those um, things we lack – have been what have been holding us behind for scale. So sometimes it's like seeing it, yeah. finally seeing it through a different lens. Is there certain attributes of what we've done 
that have helped us keep in business and deliver value, but have also um, kept us from scaling because in some ways we're doing too much and too wide a, yeah. you know, wide a markets. You know, there's not en- too much, of, maybe not niche enough, as you said, yeah. the riches are in the niches. Maybe I'm in too many niches or too wide a niche. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, Tad has graciously allowed to participate in an exercise with me today. And we're going to use a tool that we have at Collective 54 called the Tolerance Level Checklist. And this checklist is meant to gauge your level of tolerance in settling for a lifestyle business or maybe an intolerance for that and wanting to scale, remove the bottlenecks, and uh, you know, develop a much larger business. It's 10 questions. We're not going to ask all 10. We don't have time for that. But you rate each question on a scale of one to four. One is acceptable. Two is somewhat acceptable. Three is somewhat unacceptable. And four is unacceptable. And uh, I'm going to ask Tad some questions. I'm going to ask him to rate it and then tell us a little bit more about why he rated it, what he did. So the first question I'm going to ask, and this is one that's going to be near and dear to everybody's heart, is the question or the statement is I am I spend time on things I do not enjoy doing. So Tad, how would you rate yourself on that? I would rate it somewhat unacceptable. Okay. Um, because there are things that are, you know, second nature to me now that can be more easily done by other people. Yep. And in some ways it's unacceptable because either the lack of having those people enough team around me to do those things. And it just gets boring. Right? Yeah. You're doing the same, you something that you learned 12 years ago type of thing. Yep. And this is very typical. So, you know, when you start your firm, you're in those early years and basically you do everything and it's not, it's not intolerable at that point because it's still new then. And then you wake up, in this example, 12 years later, and you say, Jesus is boring because you've been doing the same thing over and over again. And one of the things that's required to move out of a lifestyle business into a scale firm is to build a team, delegate those things to the team, and then elevate yourself yourself up the value stack and keep your own intellectual stimulation alive by taking on new kind of pioneering work. Okay, so that was number two. Let me move to question number three, which is, I rarely feel a sense of making meaningful progress on scaling my boutique. How would you rate yourself on that one? Um, I'd say I'm somewhat acceptable there because I, the beginning of scaling our, our boutique is having a team around me. And I feel you know better than I have in a long time about the team around me. And I'm finally knowledgeable that I have a, a big enough team in the different parts of our businesses. And I have a better viewpoint on investing back in the business. Um, on sales and marketing, which happens to be one of my strengths and in, in what entrepreneurially feels like I'm over-investing, but I'm actually based on what I've learned through the collective, I'm not over-investing. I might still be under-investing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, and that's a great example for you because sales and marketing comes natural to you. You're really good at it. So you keep doing it, doing it, doing it, and you're the sole rain, rainmaker in the organization, but there's only one of you. So until you hire other rainmakers and build a rainmaking department, sales and marketing department, the firm's only going to get so big because there's one salesperson as opposed to five salespeople. And that takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness and courage 
to delegate something you enjoy doing and, and staying out of it, teaching others to do it and letting them do it. So that, that's a great example. So I'm glad you're making progress on that. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's a work in progress, but we're, we're on the road to success. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I mean, listen, one, one step at a time, right? Amen. All right. Let's go to question four. So I do not make enough money relative to my personal workload. How would you rate yourself on that one? Um, it's unacceptable. Okay. Based so you, on it, uh, partially because of how long I've been in the business and partially based on it, it's, you know, you didn't ask question one, but I was definitely unacceptably overscheduled. Right. <laughs> and, and so that's kind of part of the things I've got to help other people do those things that can be done by other people. And yeah, then I'll, I'll make more money honestly, because other people are doing things they can do and I'm not doing things that other people can do yeah. without me. So for the listeners, there's a concept called opportunity cost. I'm sure you're probably aware of that, but in the context of what we do, being an entrepreneur is hard. Being a founder of a boutique pro surf firm is hard. Scaling it is even harder. And you have to measure your effort and reward in relation to what your alternative path may have been. So for example, it probably would have been easier for Tad to stay in the military. And he could have had a career for years and years and years and rose up the ranks. And that would have had a certain profile, a certain level of effort, you know, typically measured in hours per week, and a certain financial reward, which would have been, you know, an annual salary, benefits, and a retirement plan. And you measure that effort slash compensation package of that journey versus the journey that he's on. And if there's a gap there, that's the opportunity cost. And the problem with opportunity cost, the delta between what you're doing today and what the alternative path would have been, is that it compounds over a number of years. So as we suggested, you know, Tad's been at this 20 years plus. So if there is an opportunity gap, an opportunity cost, excuse me, it's whatever that gap is times 20. And the numbers add up. So you constantly have to make sure that you know, the juice is worth the squeeze, they say, or the squeeze is worth the juice. I think I got it the other way around. Is that your workload, your personal workload is proportional to the reward, the compensation that you're making. And there's really only two levers to pull there. One is work less and make the same amount, and you can have a hell of a lifestyle doing that, or work more. But if you work more, you got to make a lot more to justify the level of effort. Those two things need to be in proportion. And when they're not is when you know, somebody who's happily running a lifestyle business wakes up one day wanting to retire and can't. And they say, what happened? And then they realize they can't work into the graveyard. You know, they don't want to work 60 hours a week when they're 70. And, and the problem is if you, if you wait too long to get to that point, you just can't flick a switch. It takes a while to build teams, delegate work, build repeatable processes, etc. So that's a really important question. I'm glad we had a chance to to discuss that, which is a logical lead into question number six, or statement number six, forgive me. I'm not able to retire at this time if I wanted to. Now, Ted, I know you're not looking to retire tomorrow, but if you wanted to retire tomorrow, could you? Not comfortably, no. Um, And it's not that I can't retire in the next, you know, if you will, about five, seven years based on a combination of age and savings. I've done well on investing, but the difference is if you said to me, okay, you're, I'm, and I'm 56, yep. I'm, I'm a, I'll say it this way. I'll mess with you. I'm a fit 56, <laughs> but I'm still 56. Yep. Right. So, 
but if you said, oh, at 56, you want to do early retirement, could you live comfortably today on what I've built up? And the answer, no, I still need income from the business. Yep. So Now, the good news um, is, is 56 is, you know, not retirement age. So you still have time to do that. And based on your plans that you share with me, I'm, I'm confident that you're going to get there. But, you know, we all want the option. So, I mean, 56 is not 26. So God forbid, you know, I don't know, Ted had a health scare or something like that. If he wanted to be able to retire or if he had to retire, he could. And you want to build your firm in such a way that, that that's the case. You know, when you're a founder of a services business, a people-driven business, and it's a small one, you have a tremendous amount of risk. You have all of your net worth tied up in an illiquid small firm. A couple of things don't go your way and you really feel it. So the, the reason or one of the reasons to scale beyond a lifestyle business is to de-risk your life. You know, a bigger firm can withstand more. I don't know, you lose a key employee. Okay, it stinks for a period of time, but you're not in big trouble. Um, you lose a couple clients. Yeah, it's not pleasant, but you know, you can still pay the rent, that kind of thing. When you're a small little lifestyle business, way too risky. So that's one of the reasons why we make this statement and we ask members like Tad to rate themselves. Okay, let me hit you with maybe one more and then we can summarize what we've learned today. So statement number eight, I have not built a firm that could be sold today. How would you rate yourself on that? Uh, it's unacceptable as well. Yeah. And partially again, to the, the markets we serve and how we serve them. Um, not having enough concentration, what I'd call in deeper, deeper, more, you know, repeatable niches yep. of service offerings. Um, and partially due to senior employee, you know, in my concentration of knowledge of the firm. So yeah. a lot of that succession, and I would even phrase it differently. It's unacceptable that I don't think there's enough succession's not far enough in place that if something really bad happened tomorrow, it wouldn't be a big deal. Yep. Right. And I, and I say that so it's about being sold is really being able to say, am I how how much am I needed? Yeah, exactly. Right? And how much are my top ten percent of leadership needed? If if something happened, God forbid, then it'd be. It wouldn't be good. And that's my, what I'm really resolved to is build a firm that can have succession, successful succession, you know, without, without me. And then, then that is a firm that it's almost like you build a firm ready for succession and then it can be sold. Yeah. But if you don't, it's, you know, too top heavy is the way I would tend to phrase it. Yeah. Listen, small, so, small services firms are risky. And the reason why they're risky for investors, potential acquirers, which is what we're talking about here with this statement is the founder and the firm are one and the same. If the founder goes away, there's no firm. That's called key employee risk. And what Tad is talking about is succession. In other words, being able to get other people in the firm to do what he does as well as he does it. So the firm can run without him if he, was, if he chose not to be part of it in the future. And when you're able to do that, then if you wanted to sell the firm someday, again, it would be your option. You actually have an asset that's sellable because you and the firm are two separate entities. A, a purchaser of your business would do so because the business would not be dependent on you. And, and that's what that question in the tolerance level checklist is meant to service. So listen, you know, they say that 50% of solving a problem is recognizing that you have one. 
Um, I think, boy, I would be bold enough to say the majority, greater than 50% of our members in Collective 54 is struggling with this. And the reason why I wanted Tad to come on the call today is because he's confident enough and comfortable enough in his own skin to be vulnerable and go through this exercise and and uh, you know demonstrate that he's working on some of these things, but he doesn't have the, the code cracked, so to speak, because others don't as well. So um, Tad, a great example of leading from the front of being a real role model. I'm really looking forward to the Friday member Q&A session. And I'm hoping that uh, others will open up as well as you did here today. So on behalf of all the members, thank you so much for being on the show. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Thanks for what you're doing, Greg. Okay, great. All right. So let me give everybody a couple of uh, calls to action. So um, if you're a member, make sure you attend Tad's Friday Q&A session. You'll be getting a meeting invite on that. Um, If you want to put yourself through the tolerance level checklist, Uh, That tool can be located on page 51 of the new book, The Founder Bottleneck, How to Scale Yourself. Um, If you're not a member, and after listening to this, you might want to become one, go to collective54.com and fill out the contact contact us form, and uh, one of our representatives will reach out to you and talk to you about it. If you're not quite ready to be a member, but you want to educate yourself uh, some more, subscribe to Collective 54 Insights, and again, you can find that on the website. Uh, You'll get three things every week, Monday, a blog, Wednesday, a podcast, and Friday, a chart. And uh, hopefully that will be valuable to you. So uh, for all out there in the world of podcasting, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show. 